Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Ryan Devlin. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics provides a user-centric approach with a fully customizable cloud-based system that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market, and they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Ryan onto the show. So Ryan, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks, man. I appreciate it for you asking me on. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. So can we get a quick introduction from you as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yes, so um, I suppose my kind of journey started at university. Um, went to Liverpool, John Murray University, completed a degree in sports science um, for three years. After that, went into a master's in strength and conditioning at Liverpool John Moores as well. Towards the end of that, I was fortunate enough to get an internship at Ulster Rugby um, back in Northern Ireland, where I'm from. Um, after that, coming towards the end of that, uh, internship was kind of in that grey area of knowing what to do next, where to go, trying to find my first job. Um, and I was fortunate that a position came up at Crew Alexandra, which I went for and spent 14 months there. Um, after that, a position came up with Sheffield Wednesday as the lead sports scientist for the 18s. And I have been there now for just over a year, 14 months now. And that's kind of my journey up to date. Mate, absolutely fantastic. So we're here to discuss a bit of strength and power development and specifically looking at uh, why you would use Olympic lifts for football. So, yeah, the I suppose the first and most important question is like, why is it then important to develop speed and power in football? Yeah, so for me, like I, where my interests lie, it is definitely in strength, power, and kind of speed development. That's where I kind of find my interests. I think there's a number of reasons why strength and power development are, are key in sport, and, and it's, I think it's something that's definitely overlooked, especially in football. I think from uh, injury, there's tons of research for years and years that obviously the the well, first of all, from a athletic standpoint, your your best athletes are the ones that produce force, a lot of force quickly. So, for example, you have a big strength base there, and then you want to produce that force as quickly as possible, so it's your strength and power. But in other reasons, the stronger athletes are less likely to get injured um, due to having high relative strength. You're able to absorb force, produce force, and tolerate force throughout the pitch, getting hits and um, contact with players. Then from a performance aspect, uh, there's loads of research that's been shown that maximal strength has a positive correlation with max str- or with jump, jumping, acceleration, speed, capacity. And then again, I think that's definitely another one that's overlooked is being stronger um, actually enhances recovery. So when people talk about it from a football perspective, they want to have these intense footballers. You you want to have a really big strength base in order for a quicker recovery to be able to repeat them high intensity actions over and over and over again. From a, That's from a football perspective. And then again, listen, in terms of power, if you look at the definition of power, which is rate of force development, in my opinion, you have to have that force there in order to produce it quickly. So for me, if I was to go in terms of a spectrum of how I would develop, it would be strength, then power, and then speed. 
um, so for example, your strength base allows you to produce power, and then your power obviously feed, feeds into your acceleration, max velocity work. Uh, and then with uh, your power work, in terms of why it's important um, from a football perspective, again, first step acceleration, getting away from your opponent, jumping, axels, decels, all kind of physical qualities that's really, really important and kind of make the top athlete uh, on a pitch, really. That's yeah. my breakdown of it. Absolutely fantastic. I think that's uh, that's really clear. So it's it's important. We know it's important. Um but what, why would you then choose to use Olympic lifts to develop that speed and power specifically in football? Well, for, uh, I suppose there's been a massive debate to kind of, you see it all the time, Olympic lifts versus using other kind of variations of part of development. But I think for me, the main reason why I would use it would be in terms of the uh, motor unit recruitment. So we want to probably train so in because uh, football is like a full body movement you're using your whole body you want to try and make the stuff you do in the gym as compatible to that so for example in my program there'd always be max velocity sprinting there'd always be your jumps your throws etc and then your olympic lifts um, and i think that just just these aren't scientific facts that i'm stating but i think they're also fun and uh, i think that athletes like doing them and i also think that if you're able to uh up into a deep clean with 100 kg there's not many positions on the pitch that you're not going to be able to tolerate um, from a kind of external force point of view and that's not scientific that's just my own opinion <laughs> <laughs> but that's also important right it's important to get opinions from the trenches um, yeah exactly, exactly. And, and what are your thoughts on then uh, yeah doing that compared to for example uh, a trap bar jump Trap bar jump, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Currently at the minute, we would use, because of like logistics and the way with the corona things panned out, um, I think that like everything has a place. And I think it's also, it's very much dependent on the athlete you're working with. Um, so, for example, when I walked into, when I went into Sheffield Wednesday, the lads didn't do any Olympic walking for the first six to eight weeks because of, I was kind of getting to know them. I wanted to just expose them to some power work, get their kind of base level strength level up, etc. So, it very much depends on the athletes you're working with, the context you're working it, and again, what you want to develop and what you feel the need. Cool. So in terms of uh, your kind of progressions then for the footballers, how do you then start to build that in? Because I imagine you, you, you then have people who haven't previously Olympic lifted. Um, mm-hmm. How do you start to build that up with them? Uh, bearing in mind, of course, that they have to play football all the time. Yeah, so I think that when I walked in, See, it's, it's quite difficult at the minute because obviously the, the logistics that everyone's dealing with from from a COVID point of view. So we currently don't do Olympic lifts at the minute. Um, just with the gym access, when we do get in, it's literally in a bit of power development, um, some strength work, which is the like for because in season obviously maintaining season strength. Everyone knows it's important to maintain that from an injury injury um perspective. But in terms of the way I would work it in, so on a continuum. With strength, power, and speed, it would always be for me get them strong. So get them over 1.5 times body weight in terms of relative strength. When I've hit 1.5, uh, introduce them to some power work, and then once they've hit that kind of 1.8 margin, you start to implement your kind of special strength exercises in terms of your sleds, um, other kind of methods of development to track. So you're going into more your transfer kind of special strength exercises. But in terms of how I would implement them, this would start from heavy cleans from the floor. Get them in that front squat position. Just kind of, I would always make sure they're mobile enough to get into them positions. So I think from me, they need to earn the right to be able to get into them positions. So if the mobility's not there, it's something that needs to be developed. 
over time, and then they've earned the right, then they can do the lifts. And in terms of like um, the building up of different lifts, uh, do you just then throw them with cleans and it's job done? Do you use any derivatives, uh, snatch variations, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we kind of be so from uh, bottoms up approach, maybe like heavy clean pulls. So have a clean pose just above the knee, then you drop them, and then from top down, you'd work on your front squat to try and get into that front rack position. And then you just kind of, for me, you do them uh, hang cleans from just above the knee position to look at that kind of transition between um, pulling the elbows up into that tabletop position. So depends on where they are on the spectrum and what you feel the need. But for me, when I came in, it was like, right, the last need to get strong. So we just squatted. <laughs> um, and our assistance lifts, as you would do. And uh, you mentioned like some some kind of uh, like yeah strength standards. Uh, how important are those strength standards for you? Do you do you kind of use that as a, a rule of thumb, or is that like a, a law for you guys? It's it's not it's not really a law for us guys. I would say it's more a law for me because I feel that the way I kind of explain this is. You don't want to exhaust all your eggs at once, if, if that's a kind of um, uh, motto. So I don't want to throw them just straight into doing Olympic lifts and just straight into doing like a special strength work. So, for example, we get them strong, look at their speed, has their speed went up? Yes, okay, right, we'll add another layer to that and another layer and another layer. So you don't want to throw them all in at once because then you can keep, keep seeing kind of a like development as I would go on. So at the start when I came in, it was very much around the first two the first two rounds, strength and strength, strength and power, um, for me. That's and, the kind of model I would look at. And then along with that, I'm sure you've heard this thing about how strong is strong enough and all that. So I would always build in that I'll be doing the mechanics work as well. So the acceleration mechanics. So they might have the force, but can they apply it in the right direction in order for them to get faster? Which so, I think is definitely something I've learned over the the past six months, or I've been doing a lot of research and reading into. And could could you explain that a little bit further then? It's the it's the yes, how you're gonna play yeah. that. Yeah, so basically in terms of um so I recently done a mentorship with Sam Portland who's a kind of renowned speed coach. And he was just it it just makes so much sense in terms of right, get them strong, get them powerful, but if their mechanics and if their mechanics and they're kind of they're leaking a lot of energy in terms of the movements, then it's not gonna transfer like maximally as what you would want it to. So in terms of listen, simple basic progressions, isometric wall drills to make going from general to specific to static to dynamic, and just kind of building them progressions so you're grooving the skill of kind of accelerating and max velocity work into their training program as well. So you're kind of getting a whole holistic kind of model of it throughout the training week. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based system available, and it's this unique technology which makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. How do you then train one or two people with special strength exercises, for example, sleds, um, and the rest of them maybe aren't quite yet at that strength standard? Yeah, so there is definitely a couple of lads in my squad who are in that realm of the they're ready for the next kind of special strength. Um, kind of they're ready for them actually. So for example, sleds, I like I like really like sled work because you get for acceleration. 
you can overload that movement pattern over and over and over again um, for 20, 30, 40 meters, whatever you want to do. And it really teaches them force application along with positioning for acceleration. That's why I like them. But for in, in a case like that, obviously, because when you work in a football club, there's a lot going on. There's a busy schedule. They have education. They have their own weavings and pieces to be added. They have extras to do because football is important. It would just be a case of pulling the lads to the side in a one-on-one um, and trying to get them to be needing times just to kind of add another layer to the kind of athletic potential, if you want to call it that. How, how do the coaches then uh, respond to that? Because I imagine that's fairly tricky for them giving up maybe one or two players to, to get that kind of work in? No, it, to, to be honest with you, especially like I've always said this to the podcast I've done, that the, the coaches that I work with are really, really good and they know how important um, the physical element, recently in the past couple of years, the physical element of the game has just gone through the roof. And I think that they realise how important it is from a performance aspect and from an injury, injury prevention aspect as well. But it, it would just be a case of literally in the evenings, around three, four o'clock of pulling the lads and saying, right, we'll do a couple of wee extra bits and pieces with yourself or one or two of them or stuff like that. But in, in an ideal world, I would have like a kind of speed group. So you base your, so one lad's working on their acceleration work and then other lads do it loading different percentages of body weight in terms of sleds and loading parameters and stuff. But it's just logistically, it's quite hard to do at the minute with the, but yeah, I can imagine it's uh, it's a very very tricky environment. Yeah. Um, but what what kind of other yeah. um, speed and power exercises do you then use? Because we discussed uh, some Olympic lifts, we discussed some sled variations, some mm-hmm. specific, uh, specific stuff. Um, what other speed and power stuff are you doing to make sure your athletes are maximally ready for performance? Yeah. So in terms of, I think with the, the current situation, I think the warm up comes down to a lot. Of, comes down to the warm up. Um, so in the one we'll try and incorporate the kind of our plyometric work. So I think that it, it's definitely a, an aspect that's overlooked as well. I think a lot of athletes lack stiffness. So you can have, listen, you can have really, really good explosive power, but ankle stiffness, it's the last point of contact with the ground, isn't it? So that also isn't very important as well. Um, in terms of speed, speed and power enhancement, we, listen, we get, we get our weekly speed exposure. Um, once a week, we try and hit them 90 to 95% ranges. But what I have been learning recently is that I think that if you're doing, I'm going to incorporate in some wicket work, so working at sub-max velocities as well, and look at more like rhythm and running patterns, etc. Because um, I think that it's the same as in, in, in a gym set. I think volume allows you to input intensity. So you never jump into a heavy set of 3 by 3 in a back squat. So in terms of the max velocity exposure, I'm definitely going to reel it down a bit and work a more sub-max to build a base of sub-max so the volume allows them to handle intensity, et cetera, when we're going to do our sprints. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it as well. And that's the stuff you're going to be doing mm. in the warm-up as such then? Yeah, just in the warm-up. So like on our so – typically the way our – the way our week's broken broken down is we we have our extensive and intensive days. So in our uh, extensive days, when we're doing kind of our max velocity bouts and our high speed running, the warm up will be more extended and working kind of hamstring prep, rhythm coordination, then into our our bouts or whatever we're going to do on the, that day. And how do you then period us that through the season? Because I imagine there's only so much uh, max velocity work you can get done. Um, how do you ensure that they're either getting a different stimulus or uh, getting the same stimulus and that's uh, sufficient for them? So I think that it it a lot depends on the schedule that they so thankfully at the at the age group I work with the the schedule is pretty rigid 
from a week-to-week basis. Maybe there'll be the odd Tuesday game thrown in, Tuesday-Wednesday game or a Youth Cup game, for example. But the, the week tends the same, which is quite good from a physical aspect because then I can work on different elements, or the same elements every week and can see a progression in them. But I think that with the in terms of how I would adapt that, so for example, if the lads came in on a so just say Tuesday as an our extensive day, if the lads come in on Tuesday morning, uh, they're a wee bit, they're feeling a wee bit banged up from the weekend still because there has been games where their their stats have been high and they come in on the Monday and they're sore, they're a bit banged up. But there's other games where the stats wouldn't been as high. That may be due to tactical, it may be due to opposition, whatever. Um, and then I can know right, I can't expose them to this today. But then on like on the Tuesday where they are a bit banged up, then maybe just go for maybe some. Ma- Maybe some sub max velocity bouts at around eighty five to ninety percent. Where I'm not actually asking them to get after it, but there has been days where I'm like, right lads, we're going for maxes and, and like that, how do you, know? you then get the maxes out of them? Because I imagine uh it's very difficult sometimes to motivate athletes to make sure they're sprinting maximally all the time. How do you then make sure yeah. that there's enough drive from them to do that? So I think that one thing when I walk in, like when we start to warm up, I like, right, I want to see some numbers today. We're, we're, we're going to run fast today and get them up. Because, listen, the lads know I try to educate them. They know that to get faster, they have to run fast with good technique. Um, but in terms of how I would employ it, so again, when they walk into the warm I know, then I let them know what they're about to get into. And I also incorporate races. I think that's a great way of getting maximum output. So I'll, I'll group the four fastest together and the next group, the next group, and the next group, et cetera. So they're always up against a level of opponent that they're going to be in a race. And then I'll, I'll drop it. So if I feel that lads have improved their max velocity, what I've actually had, actually a couple of weeks ago, um, there was uh, one of our players, I put him in the top group, and he actually hit a new max velocity. But that I, I personally think that's because he was with the fast group. So it obviously encouraged him to run a bit faster, and he hit a new max. So that's how no, I can that. imagine, mate. That's, uh, and that's interesting as well to, to hear you do it in, in mm. groups as opposed to maybe a one-on-one race. Um, and I think that, that also yeah. says a lot for the, the ones who maybe know they're just going to lose against the quickest, um, but they could maybe mm-hmm. beat the second or third and it gets a little bit of a different dynamic as opposed to a one-on-one race. Yeah, I think that I, I think, they, but they know, listen, when it, like I, I, when I put that, that one fella into that top group, he's like, oh no, you're not putting me with these. And I was like, listen, I'm telling you now, the reason I'm putting you with these is because they're gonna pull you forward here. You, you you have to. You're going up against the quick lads. Like it's gonna, gonna give you something different, you know. So it's kind of the way I look. Mate, it. absolutely fantastic. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you the the most difficult question we can imagine, and that is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from? The one thing I see and do differently which the rest of the world can learn from. From a coaching perspective or from a life oh, perspective? Mate, you're you're, you're delaying the answer to the question. You should go answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I would say, I would say that my relationship with the athletes is is really good. I think that's from a from a personal. So I like I would be in not not say I would be interested in stuff, but I I know what they're all about. So we have I think common trends to speak to them about, and then. We and then it kind of I see it kind of going into the train. So yeah, just know my athletes really, really well. I think that that's key for any. You can have the best program in the world, of the best program in the world, but if you don't have buy-in, it's not going to work. I think that relationship building is definitely something that has to be at the forefront of. And anything. have you got any tips as to how people can best do that? Yeah. So listen, when I, when I um obviously for the start of pre-season there when I walked in um. We just, I just had a, a simple chat with all the lads. 
like literally one on one chat. Um, what they want to achieve, what the goals are for the season, just that kind of. But listen, what what they do over the summer, who's your favorite footballer, that kind of first mm-hmm. chat. Um, and then just constantly like, I, I think just knowing that that they like when we had a four month lockdown, for example, I was on the phone to most of them every week, trying to keep them that was a four month period, and that that hearing from some of the lads was unbelievable. Like just. And that was kind of the mindset I was trying to instill in them. Is like, right, we're listen. We might be back for a while, but see, this is a week we can improve. Or at the end of the day, these lads are trying to get pro contracts. So I think that's you just have to keep their goal in sight because because they're that age, a sixteen to eighteen, it's very very easy to get swayed by kind of external influences, girls, FIFA. The important things in a sixteen to eighteen year old boy's life. Yeah. yeah. All the, all the lads <laughs> mate absolutely fantastic so so Ryan thank you very much for your time today I really appreciate it not a problem Cheers, not buddy. a problem speak to you soon and that's it once again a massive thanks to Ryan for all of his hard work in today's podcast I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too before you leave I want to pull you in the direction of our free to download performance digest copy and a performance digest is 19 reviewed articles which ensure that you can save time and effort searching every single month for the latest sports science information. We've done that for you. We've summarized it with key points so we can save you hours of time searching on PubMed and reading. So if you're interested in picking up a free copy, be sure to check out the free download edition in the show notes. And if you've got just a second, be sure also to hit the subscribe button that helps us to grow the podcast and bring you the best possible guests in the future. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport. And I'll speak to you next week.